0: The Scroll, Chapter 17, Feast A dizzy spell washed over Kohelet as he got to his feet. Gripping the edge of his desk, he eased himself over to the window and looked into the street. Eli smiled up at him from the shadows below. Ah, there you are. If you feel up to it, I would like you to join us for a short while. My booth is done, and I have a place for you by the fire. You could help me cook our supper. Two are better than one, as you always say. Kohelet shook a finger at him. Now you are using my own teachings against me? Eli grinned. That's because it works. How can the wise refuse their own advice and still be considered wise? I'll be down shortly. I'll wait for you here. And bring that scroll you've been working on. I want you to read it to everyone in my booth tonight. Kohelet nodded and returned to his desk. The warm evening breeze had already dried the last strokes of his pen, and he rolled up the scroll and tucked it under his arm. Benjamin would not be happy to see it outside, but the scroll was a perfect companion to a feast that celebrated the brevity and fragility of life. It acknowledged the futility of human endeavors, for you did not surround yourself with your achievements from the past year, but rather with friends, laughter, food, and wine. He felt his way down the darkened stairs and out to the moonlit street. Eli held out his arms and embraced him. How are you feeling, my friend? Is your heart bothering you? Well, let's not speak of health problems tonight you and I are old dogs and are alive and as they say, Eli chimed in with him. A live dog is better than a dead lion. Eli tipped his head back and howled at the moon. Two dogs barked back at him from up the plaza. Coelho slapped Eli's back. You'd better be quiet or these old dogs may be fighting for their very lives. Eli took his arm. And this one needs to eat. I'm not sure how many people will join us this year. The problem with getting older is that there are fewer of us, and the younger ones don't come around as much. I think we make them uncomfortable, a reminder of what time will certainly bring their way. Arm in arm, they approached the green glow of Eli's booth. Eli always filled his booth with light, and this was a visible statement of his philosophy of life. Olive oil could be burned in a lamp, or it could be saved for food later on. Eli chose to use his limited supply to push back the night and extend the day for a time of celebration. There were others who conserved their resources by not making a booth. It was too much effort for something that was going to dry out and be thrown away, but that was exactly the point. It was important to celebrate life while you had it in your grasp. Everything would eventually crumble to dust and blow away in the wind anyway. Thick rugs covered the pavement stones, and the perimeter of the booth was piled with cushions, even more than the previous year. The brazier glowed off to one side, and beside it was a low table piled high with vegetables and fruit. Look at these! Eli held up a large eggplant, its glossy skin reflecting the light of the lamps. I had to buy them from Reuben because mine did not arrive. He gestured out the door toward Reuben's darkened stall. Personally, I think he bought out the entire supply so he could increase his prices. I would bet he is at home, counting his coins as we speak. Kohelet took the eggplant, examined its stem, and squeezed it gently. It is a good one, even though it came from Reuben's stall. Eli shook his head gently. It is a gift from God to us, no matter what hands may have brought it here. He held one up to the stars, which twinkled through the palm fronds overhead, and his mouth moved silently before he bent down to place the eggplant on the coals. He pointed to the one in Cohelet's hand. Let's roast them all, and also all the tomatoes and garlic. I'll go inside and get the bread ready. Kohelet tucked his scroll away in the corner of the booth and pulled a stool closer to the fire. This was one of his favorite dishes. Fresh vegetables were slowly roasted over the coals until the skins were blistered and black. Then everything would be peeled and mashed together into an exquisite combination of flavors, a sprinkle of salt and spices for seasoning, and a few eggs to bind it all together, and everyone would gather around, breaking bread and sharing from one common dish. It was a meal fit for a king, and yet a king could never fully enjoy it, for he always ate from a separate dish to protect himself from his enemies. Kohelet chuckled. Once again, the poor ended up enjoying a better life than the rich. I thought I smelled garlic roasting. Esther stood in the entry to the booth, hands on her hips. Coelette smiled. I hoped you would be joining us. I noticed you did not put up a booth this year, and I am guessing that is where all the extra rugs and cushions are from. With no husband and my children gone, it is getting harder for me each year. Eli suggested I join him instead. She walked through the tent and disappeared into Eli's shop. Coelette nodded to himself. This past year, his friend had been talking a lot more about Esther. Perhaps the old dog hadn't given up on romance just yet. There was a proverb about how old men were like grasshoppers whose bodies drooped and for whom physical intimacy was no longer possible. He had quoted it once to Eli, and his friend had told him, That's not a problem for me, at least not yet. Cuhelet nodded wistfully. He was glad for Eli, but the thought of having a loving partner in your life brought his unrealized longings back to the surface. Unlike his friend, those days were completely lost to him. He shrugged. There is no use fixating on the past. This was a time of celebration and he was happy for Eli. He turned his attention back to roasting the vegetables. The aroma of garlic filled the air, attracting those passing by. A brightly lit booth created a greater pull with each new person that entered for the conversation would get louder and people from booths down the way would wander in to check it out. Like moss drawn to a flame, the crowd would grow until the flimsy booth shook with the noisy celebration. It was good Eli had enlarged his booth, for many had heard about Reuben's bid to buy Eli out, and they all wanted to stop by and encourage him to stay open. Amid the jostle of people filling the tent, Cohelet saw Eli retreat into his shop, where he polished an apple until it gleamed in the light of the lamps. A smile touched his lips as he carried it over to Esther, as if it were made of gold. She smiled up at him, and Kohelet noticed how her hands lingered on Eli's while she took the apple from him. Eli came back to Kohelet, and his smile was even broader. Kohelet raised his eyebrows as Eli sat beside him. So, now it's the man who's tempting the woman with the fruit. Eli put a finger to his lips, glanced quickly around the booth, and shrugged. I told her about my offer from Reuben, and she suggested she would rather partner with me in the fruit business. She would stop selling fish, and we would expand into her shop and give Reuben some real competition. It could be fun. Cohelet nodded. Yes, a partnership with a kind-hearted woman like Esther could be quite pleasurable. Eli gave Cohelet a playful push on his shoulder. It's just that Esther is tired of dealing in smelly old fish. She would rather have the taste of sweet fruit. Kohelet leaned closer to his friend and kept his voice low. That sounds like a verse from the song for lovers. Eli blushed and stroked his beard. Kohelet gave him an elbow in his ribs. I am happy for you. Esther understands how to make life sweet. She would make a good companion. And it was said, it's not good for a man to be alone, especially one who isn't dragging about like a grasshopper. A laugh burst from Eli and people glanced over at them. Eli relaxed back into the cushions to chuckle quietly to himself. Kohelet leaned back beside him and looked up through the palm fronds of the booth at the clouds passing by The full moon came into view, and he was taken back to an evening many years past when his mother had called him to bed. It was one of the few memories he had left of her for within a month she had died, and Simeon had taken him in. The sorrow of those faded memories stirred his heart, but his distant thoughts were abruptly pulled back to the present, for Eli was on his feet, clapping his hands for silence. Someone had to rap Nabal on the head to get him to shut up, but finally the gathering fell silent. For years now, our Kohelet has been teaching us to give up on striving to gain an advantage from our work and to enjoy each new day. This past month he has been writing down his teachings and tonight I have asked him to read to us what he has written. Eli reached behind Kohelet and retrieved the scroll. I think what he has written will fit well with our feast and the reason why we gather each year in these leaky shelters. Benjamin jumped to his feet to help Kohelet up, and the ball took his chance to slip out the door. Benjamin adjusted the wick of the lamp near Kohelet and sat at his feet. Eli held up the scroll. There are a few here who have not heard much of Kohelet's teachings, so I think an introduction is in order. Eli put a hand on Kohelet's shoulder. Kohelet is wise, and he has passed on his knowledge to the people. He has pondered, searched out, and set in order many proverbs. He has studied to find just the right words, and what he wrote, Eli gestured to the scroll, is honest and true. The words of the wise guide our lives like a shepherd. Their collected sayings are like firmly driven nails. He paused, winked at Kohelet and turned to the audience. Beware of adding to these wise words, for there is no end to what people write, and trying to study it all will exhaust you. Kohelet wiped his greasy fingers on the hem of his robe and took the scroll from Eli. Kohelet cleared his throat and looked around the booth. Some of the people would have heard bits and pieces of his teachings in the past, but most had not understood what he was trying to teach them. A few were looking at the doorway, hoping someone would make the first move and then they could join in a quick exodus. But this was a captive audience and he was not going to let them get away. He began to read. The tent fell silent as his words filled the simple structure. Were they listening or falling asleep? He paused as he unrolled more of the scroll and looked up. Every eye was upon him. Hearing his words read from a scroll was lending his teachings an authority they did not have when he simply discussed them. Benjamin had been correct. As Cohelet continued to read, he caught glimpses of Benjamin beneath the bottom of the scroll. The man's lips were moving in perfect sync with his reading. He paused, and Benjamin stopped, caught his eye, winked at him, and nodded for Cohelet to continue. Kohelet smiled back at him. No wonder Benjamin needed to buy extra olive oil and was so tired in the mornings. His friend had been staying up at night to memorize the scroll. Kohelet caught a quick vision of Benjamin performing his book on the platform by the village well. It would be a powerful way to communicate the message. Go on, Kohelet. Don't stop now, Eli called from his cushion. We want to hear more. There was a murmur of assent from the rest of the tent, and Kohelet raised his voice and read on through to the end of the scroll. As he rolled it up, silence came over the tent, and the entire market was hushed for a moment. A gust of wind blew through the tent, and the lamp hanging next to Kohelet fell and smashed on the ground. Shadows drew across his face as he stooped to pick up a broken piece of pottery. He held it up to the light of the remaining lamps. The time is coming for each of us when our lamp will go out, a time when the dust, he patted his chest, this dust shall return to the ground it came from. He smiled and looked up through the palm fronds, but the spirit shall return to God who gave it. A drop of rain fell through the fronds and splashed on his forehead. Cohelet laughed out loud, and it looks like our clouds are now full of water. Another drop glanced off the tip of his nose. I guess this is one night we'll have to sleep inside. There was a bustle of activity as people rushed for the door. Happy voices called in the street as raindrops sizzled on the brazier. Benjamin, Eli, and Esther gathered up the cushions and piled them onto the shelter of Eli's fruit stand. Cohelet placed the scroll on the counter and tried to help them, but his breath was gone, as if all the words had drained him. His shoulders ached even as he lifted one cushion, and his head pounded each time he bent over. The rain pattered on the fronds and dripped through to wet the pavement stones. They stood around a lamp on the counter under the awning. Eli touched the scroll. It is good, Esther nodded. It's beautiful. It all fits together so well when I hear you read it. I hope it gets copied many times over. Eli chuckled. "'You are a clever old fox. "'By writing as the king, you have made it impossible "'for the priests and religious leaders to dispose of your book. "'The king trumps them all, for they need his protection "'to get their share of what the land provides. "'It's brilliant, and it's also true, "'since you are one of the king's descendants.' "'Cohelet wagged a finger at Eli. "'Don't you go down that road. "'Things are better left unsaid.' "'His friend shook his head and his beard swayed gently. Now that you have written this scroll, I think it is perfectly fitting. People need to know the truth. Your secret should be told before your time runs out, and it should be you who tells it. Benjamin emerged from the shadows where he had been cleaning up for the meal. What is it you have not told us, master? Kohelet looked into his trusting eyes. Benjamin was the one person who deserved to know the whole story. I have told you how I spent my entire life in the king's court. I was raised within the walls, for my mother was part of the court. But unknown to anyone else, she was the daughter of one of the king's concubines. Benjamin stared at him. Then you are a royal descendant, a relative of our king? Not so loud. This must be kept secret. You know what the king does to his relatives. Eli snorted. They like to keep the distant ones very distant indeed. Royal blood is a double-edged sword, and more often than not, it can take off your head. Benjamin's eyes grew wide, and Cohelet put a hand on his shoulder. Not to worry, my friend. The only person who knew the whole story was old Simeon. That's why he took me into the library when my mother died. Her royal lineage at least allowed me to stay in the palace and enjoy my time with the king's scrolls. Benjamin held up Cohelet's scroll. That is even more reason why this scroll belongs in the palace library. Kohelet took the end of the scroll, but Benjamin held on tight and looked into his eyes. I swear to you that I will do whatever it takes to get your scroll into the king's hands, no matter what the cost. Benjamin, don't say this. I don't want you to. This is my vow. I take it before God. That is all that can be said. They stood. Each of them holding an end of the scroll, until tears welled up in Cohelet's eyes and also flowed down Benjamin's cheeks. A fresh gust of wind extinguished the last lamp. Benjamin released the scroll, wrapped his strong arms around Cohelet, and then suddenly he was out the door of the booth and into the rain. Esther touched Cohelet's arm. You should go home, too. You are tired. I can see the strain on your face. Cohelet looked out at the glistening pavement stones. Benjamin hasn't gone home. I know that man. He is already making plans to fulfill his vow. Eli took his arm and led him to the entry of the booth. Let Benjamin do what he thinks best. You must go and get your rest. Kohelet turned to him, tucked the scroll inside his tunic and grasped Eli's forearms. Eli did the same and they looked at each other, nodding and smiling. Raindrops ran down Eli's hair and dripped off his beard. He gently shook Kohelet's arms. You are the one our community has looked to for wisdom all these years. You have been our Kohelet, and when you are gone, we will greatly miss you. He released Kohelet and disappeared back into the darkened shop.